Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky in the studio in Jackson. Hey, Dad is in Starkville. Brian Scott Rippey right here beside me. Glad to have you along today. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Mississippi Land Bank has been financing land for over 100 years, and it doesn't really matter if you're a farmer or not. If you've got land financing needs in North Mississippi, then Mississippi Land Bank can help with equipment, with buying property, with refinancing loans, with production loans, all of those things right there in the wheelhouse for Mississippi Land Bank. MSLandBank.com, where they know the lay of the land. Final day of non-conference games for the regular season of baseball 2019. Some games tonight coming up. Southern Miss hosting Troy at 6 o'clock in Hattiesburg. Mississippi State and Louisiana Tech tonight in Starkville. Ole Miss is at Arkansas State playing that game in Jonesboro. We'll get into all of those this afternoon, plus a whole bunch more. How is everybody? Borky, what's up? I just got my lucky socks on getting ready for the draft lottery tonight. Your lucky socks. What exactly do your lucky socks look like? They are argyle, uh, red, blue, and gold with the little Pelicans logo on the very top. And, uh, well, I don't know if they're my lucky socks yet. We're going to find out tonight. I, I was going to ask, what what have you done in those socks for you to believe that they bring luck to you? Um, we'll find out here in a few hours, I guess. So did you buy socks specifically to wear on lottery ping pong ball night? No, these were a, a in birthday. In hopes that they would become lucky? <laughs> no, these were a birthday present a couple of years ago from my wife. But uh, I've turned them into lucky socks tonight because I haven't done laundry here in about two weeks. So I'm out of clothes and um, I grabbed the Pelican socks today kind of by default. And then it hit me that, oh, it's lottery night. So now these are my lucky socks. So it's not really that you're, they are your lucky socks, they are your last available socks. Basically, yeah, unless I was going to start uh, putting on some pairs that I've already worn like I was in college again. Yeah, that's a little gross, isn't it? Dude, I multiple times wore the same pair of khaki shorts to class all five days of the week. Oh. Hey, 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 Dad, that's disgusting, actually. Shorts yeah. or socks? Shorts. Oh, I thought you said socks. No, I didn't wear socks really ever in college. Yeah, it's no big deal on shorts. If you don't get anything on them, you can rewear them. I mean, assuming you don't like sweat through them. Well, walking to class in Mississippi September was what's, probably not the best thing. What is thing wrong for with it. y'all? For God's sakes, find a washing machine. Yeah, but that requires effort. And like, oh. instead of washing clothes, mm-hmm. I could have been at the bar. You know, you can put your clothes in the wash, go to the bar, 
come home, put them in the dryer, and go to sleep. But, see, there's that effort thing that I'm talking about. Oh, my God. Hey, Dad, do, uh, do you own a lucky piece of clothing? Uh, I do. I have a lucky MSU polo. What is it that makes it lucky? Uh, well, it caught on fire one time, and I didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> there's enough. a big hole what, there's a big what, hole what? down in the bottom where it caught on fire so i have to tuck it in when i wear it otherwise there's this giant hole what but, uh, what is it, the occasion that you pull that shirt out for now yeah well i mean now that i cover all the games i, I, I probably wouldn't I, I wouldn't use it very often but it's it's made its, its share of uh trips around the sec for sure if mississippi state were playing in game three of the College World Series championship series, trying to win a, a national championship against whomever. Let's say against, oh, for old times' sake, let's say against UCLA. Sure. Would you break it out and wear it to TD Ameritrade on that uh, that Tuesday night? Maybe I just have it in my bag. Or put like a really a thin jacket clothing? over top of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, uh, gosh, in Nebraska in the middle of summer, I think a thin jacket I might sweat through, but. I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm professional. Sometimes now. yes, and sometimes no. There was one year, the last time Tennessee played in the College World Series, I remember wearing that, and I mean, people were like, like going to the store trying to find hoodies and sweatshirts and coats because I'll, of this I'll be random if, cold. If that trip front. happens for me this year. Yeah, there you go. But that said, no, I, I would, I would not wear logo wear in the press box. Rippy, you got a uh, lucky clothing item. Not really. I went on a beach trip one time, and like one thing led to another, and everyone started autographing, like putting their signature on some khaki shorts. And I had a pretty good week after that, so I don't know if that's lucky, but that's like the closest thing I got. What I, made it a good week? Uh, I don't know. It's just a fun week. Oh, fun week. Wore them out a couple times. It's like Sharpie signatures on Yeah. It's about the closest thing I got. Does that help you with the ladies? Uh, No. They're like, your pants are dirty. I'm like, nope. Actually, they're signed. So maybe they weren't so lucky. Maybe I was trying to think of the closest thing I have. Though I don't really have a lucky piece of clothing. Let's put it on the uh, on the uh, the twitters dot com. Borky, do you own a piece of, a lucky piece of clothing? Yes or no? And then we'll see if some explanations come along with it. Does that work? Doing it right now. Yeah, I like it. I, at one point, I had a a green master's hat, and this must have been oh good grief, maybe. 12 or 15 years ago. Uh, it was one that somebody had brought me from Augusta, and it was like the super basic one. All it had was just the little United States logo with the flag coming out of it in yellow. And I wore that thing. I mean, it was, you know, it started out as like a dark green hat. And when it finally got retired and I was convinced that it was lucky, like that was back in the day when I was doing a bunch of radio, like was working with David Kellum on Ole Miss Baseball, and I wore that hat and wore that hat. It just got to the point where it just it needed to be retired. I don't even know what color it was. Like some combination of brown and faded green and sweat-stained. And Anyway, it got retired. I was convinced that it was lucky, but in hindsight, I don't know that it actually accomplished anything at all. Nevertheless. Glad to have you along this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. You can text the show on the C Spire text line. That number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. They've got a ton going on at C Spire right now, including a little graduation promotion. Are you trying to find the perfect graduation gift for a limited time, like 
May 27th is the deadline. So 13 days from today, this promotion ends. Buy the amazing iPhone on the C Spire network and get an Apple Watch to give to someone special. Or you could just keep it for yourself. C Spire, customer inspired. Uh, as I mentioned last night of midweek baseball, you boys realize that, um, yes, Borky, I know, I know, just save it. One week from today, Sports Talk Mississippi will be broadcasting live from the SEC Baseball Tournament in Hoover. The SEC regular season wraps up this weekend, and then the tournament starts next Tuesday. You'll get an inside look at all that's going on in Hoover from Sports Talk Mississippi all week as we broadcast live from Hoover Metropolitan Stadium. Plus, you'll find out who's in, who's out, as we get a little bit closer to the NCAA regional selections. That starts next Tuesday right here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Promised you yesterday, we didn't really get into it, big picture conversation about Ole Miss baseball. Where are they right now? Where is the program right now? Where is it headed? What does it look like a year from now? Accomplishments that Mike Bianco has in his career, and a lot of people kind of measure that against what they believe should be accomplished. So we'll get into all of that. Ole Miss got a big basketball commitment last night as well. Hadim C. is a 6'10", 245-pound post player uh, that formerly was at Virginia Tech and then most recently at Daytona State Community College and uh, picked Ole Miss over Pittsburgh and East Carolina last night. How about Tiger Woods with a flaming hot take today at the PGA Championship press conference? Did you like that, Borky? I do, actually. I mean, even though I don't really care one way or the other if John Daly uses a card at the PGA because he's not going to win. He's probably not going to make the cut. It doesn't really matter. But uh, Tiger makes a really good point. If he had to play an entire playoff round on a torn ACL and a broken knee and he had to walk the entire thing, maybe John Daly's fat butt should have to walk too. <laughs> I don't think Tiger really cares either, though. Like You could see he was like kind of holding back a grin when he said that. I think he was just kind of giving Daly the business. Yeah, isn't Tiger kind of the biggest gotcha guy? Like, like super big practical joker and will take jabs and shots at anybody, anytime? Trying to check it, to see if you're paying attention. Between this like, and Mickelson's video at the Masters, I'm all for this. Golf smack, yes, give it to me. I was watching, oh, it was something on Golf Channel last night. I think it was like an Inside the PGA Tour show after they had gone away from their live from the PGA Championship coverage. And they were doing like a, a, a segment on the show on fist, fist pumps and celebrations. And they were all talking about, you know, you don't really think about it when you're doing it, and you go back and watch the video, and you just hope the execution was good. And everybody is a little bit hesitant to fist pump because that's Tiger's thing. And if you do it and you don't execute it well, you're going to hear about it from Tiger, which I thought was kind of funny. Tons coming up. Interesting stuff from Fox and their coverage of college football. Ross Dellinger and Mike Kennison both on the Farm Bureau phone line. Draft lottery odds and a whole bunch more. We'll jump into baseball next in the Renaissance Bank studio. Ceasefire text line. Amanda in Pike County hopes that somebody is lined up to do the, do the uh, new baby's laundry. Here's looking at you, Borky. <laughs> I, I will take more responsibilities in my life. I've just... 
very close to closing on the house and whatnot, so I've kind of let the the laundry part of my life slip aside. I'm wearing a shirt that um, I bought when I was about 100 pounds heavier than I am right now. Like, I, I've buried that deep in my closet, so I have to just get up and do it, but I've been distracted lately. Fair enough. Fair enough. Tucker in Brookhaven sends a, a picture of himself, or at least I assume that's himself, wearing a faded gray Ole Miss T-shirt that's got big script navy blue Ole Miss on it. Richard in Wiggins says he um, guesses that he could wear his lucky goat as a scarf. That's weird, Richard. Jeff says back in high school he had a lucky pair of red boxers, and we went on a nine-game winning streak in football when I wore those on Friday. David in Oxford says he had an unlucky hat. He got food poisoning, broke his collarbone, and cut his finger in his hat, and he still refuses to wear an MSU hat. And uh, Dan in Charleston says he has a Leonard Skinner T-shirt every time he's worn it to a game. His team has won. After, like, the first two dominoes of the whole breaking bones and food poisoning, why are you continuing to wear the hat? Yeah, I don't know. You know who's got a, who might have at one point had a lucky hat that no longer has it? Our man Rhino. Borky, do you remember that? I remember that. Rhino made a bet. What was it? What was the bet? I think it, I'm it, was it an egg bowl listening. Bet? I think it was either an egg bowl bet or a Mississippi State is going to win X number of games this season bet. It, it, it was something along those lines, and the bet, hey dad, was that if it didn't happen, he would eat his hat. And he lost the bet. It's no good. He's and, here. He's here. He's going to tell us about it. And he made good on it. Via soy sauce, Rhino, if I remember correctly. It was teriyaki. Okay, it was teriyaki sauce. What was the, what was, I don't even remember the details. It was an egg bowl bet. I was, uh, I was feeling my Cheerios and I was really convinced that there was no way Ole Miss was going to walk away with the golden egg that year. So I made the bet that if. Was that 2014? That was 2014. Okay. Oh. If State lost the egg bowl, I would eat my hat. And state lost, so I marinated the hat for about a week in teriyaki sauce, and it didn't make it taste any better. But I put it on top of some sushi and went through with it. How many pieces of the hat did you actually eat? It was about six or seven. Oh. <laughs> You're a good man, Rhino. Well, I try. Yeah, he is. You chewed and chewed and chewed and... Or did you just give up on chewing and just kind of swallow it? Yeah, after the second or third one, I just tried to take them like big pills. <laughs> you want to get any on any uh, get in on any more hat bets while you're you're hanging out? I'm good right now. Yeah, yeah. See, you could have made one last weekend on the baseball series, and well, I don't think you would have gotten anybody to take the other side of that eat a hat bet. <laughs> Probably not. Not after the results. Thanks for dropping in, bud. Oh yeah, good to talk to y'all. Rhino used to be part of the Sports Talk Mississippi family. Now it's uh, the JT Show and uh, good things with Rebecca Turner. Still floating around. Good stuff from Rhino. All right, baseball. Mississippi State hosting Louisiana Tech tonight. And this is a game that was rescheduled. So the doing good piece of this aside, hey, Dad, and and Mm -hmm. big props to to what Mississippi State's doing, taking donations tonight for – Relief efforts, rebuilding efforts in Louisiana uh, on Louisiana Tech's campus in Ruston after the tornadoes that came through a few weeks ago. So great cause, 
You think if they had it to do over again, the good cause notwithstanding, they'd just not reschedule a game? Yeah, I think they might just cut them a check and say, hey, here. <laughs> here's $25,000. Here's $25,000. Just enjoy. Yeah, From our wallets luck. to your hearts, thank you. Yeah. Uh, because, because with the short week and with the way the series played out last weekend, you know, I, 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 the, the pitching is going to be, you know, you're going to have to, you may have to finally bump some guys up. You know, they, they tried not to do that and they ended up not having to with the Texas A&M series. Um, but with this week and then going into the SEC tournament, you're getting to the point in the season where somebody might have to throw on some short rest. So Brandon Smith gets the ball tonight to start. You know, we'll see. You know, MSU's midweek starters, we've been talking about it all year. They, they cannot seem to get through a first inning without a, a load of trouble. We'll see if that changes up tonight. And then, you know, how do they do it? You know, Lee Belt is probably available. Cole Gordon, those guys, you know, Jack Egan. Maybe this Would is you the time throw Lee Belt tonight, though? I mean, if I wouldn't, because even if you lose, it's not it's not killing anything, and you're you're still locked into a national seat, I think. But at the same time, I mean, do you want to get him an inning? You know, just just to keep him a little loose, you know, treat it like a bullpen. I don't know. So yeah, between this and the short week, MSU's pitching is going to be on a very tight schedule. Uh, but we'll see where it goes. But I, I do agree. I think if you could go back a few weeks, knowing what you know now, that maybe you would have just you would have did not just fool with this game. Yeah, and this just feels like a night where you would like to continue to play well and play loose and play confident. But beyond that, winning and losing just really doesn't feel like it matters at all. Right. Uh, Louisiana takes a good enough team, and they're high enough in the RPI that a loss isn't going to significantly hurt you. But they're also low enough that winning is not going to do anything. I mean, Mississippi State's sitting at number three in the RPI. It's not like you're jumping to two or one, you know, to give yourself that much more cushion if you win this game. So just go out, try to play a good, clean game. Hope you can get some guys that don't pitch a lot some action tonight. And who cares about the results, I would think. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to ask competitors, people who are trying to win and hate to lose, to do that. And it's one thing with your position players, but you've just really got to be careful with pitchers. Given not just what you've got this week, but so it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, midweek game, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, not going to play on Tuesday, and then you're going to start on Wednesday. I would guess that you don't see Ethan Small until at least Thursday of next week in the SEC tournament. Yeah. With Plumley throwing what 115, 116 pitches on Sunday, I don't think you can bump him up very much this week. Maybe to Friday, on Saturday, can't you? Well, that's what I'm wondering. But do you want to keep Gin on Saturday? You know, Gin is the guy I think you want to be the most judicious with, being the freshman. You know, small his small pitches on Thursday this week. He only threw 82 pitches last week. My guess is he'll be fine. Uh, and then do you want do you want to yeah, go six with six days rest is plenty. It's plenty. So then you go Plumley on Friday and keep Ginn on Saturday. I don't know. I don't know if you want to do that or not. Do you want to b- bump Ginn up? I don't know. But I do know that you know. Well, obviously that's going to be one of the first questions I asked Chris Lomonas after the game tonight to see if he has an idea of where that's going to go. Because you know the, the process they went through a couple weeks ago with where they were going to start Keegan James. You saw Keegan James's last start against Memphis. He could not get anybody out. I cannot imagine that they would go back to him in an SEC game, even if it is against South Carolina. So for for me, I think they're going to bump Small up a day. This is just my thoughts. 
and then Friday, Saturday will be Plumlee again. It's just which day is is which. Ole Miss at Arkansas State tonight. Games in Jonesboro. Different scenario than what Mississippi State's dealing with. This is not a game that Ole Miss can afford to lose tonight. Agreed? Uh, Yeah, they definitely cannot afford to lose it. Uh, Zach Phillips pitching. Probably not going to see Houston Roth or Austin Miller. Probably unavailable, but I guess if the situation arose, they might have different thinking. But yeah, a a game they need to play well and a game they need to win. It's a night where they need Zach Phillips to give them five or six innings, right? I think they would be thrilled with five. So if they got five innings out of Zach Phillips, and then do what after that, do you think? Tyler Myers and... See, they don't have a ton of options. Run Chofi out there. Which may be him going out and pitching, if he could pitch well, could be good from a confidence standpoint, because the last couple of outings for Chofi have not been very good. He's retired one hitter since April 20th. And... You just use different words to say the exact same thing I said. <laughs> I wasn't like disagree. I was just just like, went with some specific. He was more yeah. specific, yeah. Uh, supporting the uh, the hypothesis, the theory, whatever. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. Leave that to the doctors. But, um, <laughs> but, but Ole Miss. I mean, you, at a certain point, you got to pitch somebody. Like, and that's but that's the big problem. Like that's what's kind of been exposed with this team is it's not necessarily new, but like particularly you get down towards the end of the year and you saw it in the state series. Not could you see Greer Holston tonight? Oh man, um, it's pitched one time this this I mean, year and it was the last inning of the Governor's Cup. Yeah. It's certainly possible, but like in a game, like are you really messing around with that in a game you can't lose? Well, I mean, obviously, it depends on how the game unfolds. Oh, yeah, that's also true. This is a night where Ole Miss really, really needs to jump out early. Yeah, because, like, Phillips going three and a third is really going to put them in a weird spot. Yeah, but if you score eight runs in the first three innings, you feel like you've probably got a little more wiggle room. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I saw what happened in Baton Rouge, so I don't really know. The the, the big inning is, uh, is a possibility. Ole Miss and Arkansas State. Tonight from Jonesboro, we'll look at the rest of the SEC, what's coming up this weekend. And when we come back, big basketball commitment, Hadim C. What do we need to know about him, and what does he mean for Kermit Davis and Ole Miss? That's next in the Renaissance Make Studio. So we mentioned the two games for Mississippi teams tonight in uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Southern Miss is hosting Troy tonight in Hattiesburg at Pete Taylor Park. Games at 6. Several other games. Tennessee Tech's at Tennessee. Samford is at Alabama. USC Upstate playing South Carolina. Michigan and Kentucky tonight. It's random for a Tuesday night in the final week of the regular season. North Alabama at Auburn. Look out. (laughs) UNO at LSU. Middle Tennessee at Vandy. All getting you set for this weekend when you got Ole Miss and Tennessee in Knoxville. South Carolina, Mississippi State in Starkville. Vanderbilt in Lexington to take on Kentucky. Bama goes to Athens for a weekend series with Georgia. Florida is at Missouri. Arkansas and A&M in Aggieland. It's a big series for Texas A&M. And uh, Auburn at LSU. You know, all of those are, I mean, they're all big to a certain degree. Ole Miss, Tennessee is huge. For both teams, Florida at Missouri is huge 
but I would say more for Missouri than for Florida at this point. Arkansas at A&M is huge. Opportunity for Arkansas to wrap up a national seed or for A&M to really get themselves in a, an interesting spot. And then Auburn at LSU. Look, if, if LSU sweeps Auburn this weekend, which I don't think is going to happen, but if they did, that gets LSU to 18 wins. You know what an 18-win LSU team's doing in two weeks? Hosting. They're hosting a regional. They win two and they get to 17, they might be hosting a regional. Their RPI is still good. It's top 15 RPI. You did, you, you agree with that, Rippy? Or? The premise, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. You don't think they win two or three even this weekend? No, I'll actually go out on that limb. I'll say Auburn will win. Okay. That would be a, a big weekend. I think Auburn has kind of played themselves out of anything other than being a two or a three seed on the road, uh, but they could find themselves in maybe a better two-seed spot if they uh, they have a nice weekend. All right, so a big basketball pickup. It was announced about 8 o'clock last night, Hadim C. It, uh, yes, that's I, I am pronouncing it that way. If you look at it, it looks like Kadim Sai or Kadim Sai. And that's basically how everybody has said the guy's name for months, certainly weeks. But it is Hadim C. That's the way it's pronounced. What do we need to know about this guy, Rippy? Um, picked Ole Miss over Pittsburgh and East Carolina. Uh, the like the common like cliche whenever someone gets a commitment is it's exactly what like they needed, and it is a perfect fit though because this guy is literally exactly what they were missing last year. Like rim protector can stretch the floor a little bit. I think he made thirty two of hundred threes at Daytona State last year. But Rangy can score and plays defense, and like he played in thirty two games as a freshman at Virginia Tech and twenty and started twenty eight of them, and he was scoring four and a half points per game. So obviously he was not out there for offensive prowess, and he didn't rebound a whole lot. So I imagine you know, and from limited like highlights and such, he's pretty good defender. The Virginia Tech deal was weird. So he was there his freshman year. And then he withdrew from school without anybody at Virginia Tech knowing about it in early mid-September. And then he was reinstated to the program. Redshirted and then left. And then redshirted and then ended up going to Daytona State at that point. Buzz Williams got real testy in a press conference a couple of years when asked about the uh, you know based on a report that was out there about what had happened and uh i don't know maybe it was deserved maybe it wasn't but it was one of those deals where you had a coach that was like hell bent on telling the media that they were wrong when in reality i don't know how wrong they actually were anyway hate to see that do you I do. I don't know about anyone else. It well, happens you're on the a pretty enemy. regular basis, right? That's what you are. Enemy of the American people. Yes, sir. We um, so, what does... Um, I mean, Kermit Davis, since he was hired, has talked about kind of what he wants his team to look like. But maybe even more so than that, you can go back and look at the makeup of his teams the last few years at Middle Tennessee and, and see what he wants it to look like. This recruiting class that he's got coming in, does, does it 
does it fit the bill of what Kermit Davis wants for his team? Yeah, I think it does because, like, Sammy Hunter's a positionless guy. You got some length, you got some athleticism. Like, basically, the way to sum it up is if you're looking for towards the future from last year, less Dom, more C. Like, no back to the basket guy that doesn't really offer a whole lot other than, like, hedging ball screens and uh, occasionally dunking if he gets high enough. But, like, more guys that can kind of stretch the floor <laughs> and kind of do he's, different things. He's seven feet tall. He shouldn't have to get all that high. Well, you would think. But point being, more guys like that. No more like less like more guys that he can interchange. Like in in, in a perfect world it all would, would be positionless. Obviously that's not literally going to be the case, but guys that can play two, three positions. Um off in the weeds a bit here, Dominic Olenichik transfers to Florida State. To play basketball. To play basketball. <laughs> He did. I, um, did you, you know, see I, the, the scouts comment on that? I, I forget uh, whoever broke the news had, and here's a scouts report on what Florida State's getting from Olenicek. And one of the, the first point was good rebounder. And it's like today I learned that scouts don't watch basketball ever. Look, is maybe it's not a fit in Kermit Davis's system. Like I'll withhold judgment. Um, Florida State's pretty athletic. I don't know. Obviously, they see something. Like, Leonard Hamilton has been in this business for a while. He's the youngest-looking 7-year-old of all time. And a really good basketball coach. Yeah, and so maybe they see something. And I believe they're losing a 7-footer to the draft. I can't remember the kid's name off the top of my head. So maybe he fits that role. I don't know. Good for Dom. I'm glad he found a place somewhere else. I thought he was going to probably go overseas and play professionally. Uh, I was wrong. So good for Dom. Uh, Borky, there was a a Pittsburgh media member who – didn't take the news well? <laughs> no, no, he did not. He, he's an owner of multiple websites, a guy that's like pretty established up there, but he covers uh, Pittsburgh, Duquesne. Uh, what's the other local college there in Pittsburgh? I don't remember. Anyway, he covers Pittsburgh athletics as well as the Pittsburgh Steelers for two separate websites that like are established and known up there. And I'll pull up exactly what he said so I can read this to you because this is just hilarious. Remember, Pittsburgh came up in the college basketball corruption trial. Okay, just remember that. Their head coach is Jeff Capel. Yeah. And this guy, I'm going to butcher his last name. I think it's Vukovkan, Mike Vukovkan, who covers Pittsburgh basketball. He said, quote, tonight is a depressing night for Pittsburgh, not because they lost uh, Hadim C., but that tonight is another example of the reality they're in. Unlike a lot of programs, particularly down south, Pitt isn't going to pay players. Therefore, it's going to be very difficult to land top talent despite the reputation Jeff Capel has as a recruiter. The thing that should worry Pitt and Pittsburgh fans is when does Capel get frustrated with how difficult the job is, end quote. Porky, I think we have some technical difficulties here. I I could have sworn I heard you say a college basketball program doesn't pay players <laughs> that's what he's insinuating oh <laughs> that was a real quote well i see I don't know, I don't look if your head is that far in the sand i almost admire how you got there i mean that takes some dedication to dig that deep his head is halfway to china in the beach all right so 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 let's unpack this one at a time he points out that jeff capel has a great reputation as a recruiter how is it we believe that Jeff Capel was getting players to Duke? Wait, when? when and, and Oklahoma when he was there. It's not a coincidence, or it's it's not related at all. It's merely a coincidence that Duke started signing every one and done when Capel started recruiting. Purely a coincidence. And then the other piece, 
wasn't Jamie Dixon, who was formerly like he was the really good coach at Pittsburgh before they bailed and hired, or he bailed for TCU and they hired Kevin Stallings. Wasn't TCU named somewhere in the whole basketball malfeasance thing? Most programs were one way or the other. Maybe, maybe I'm misremembering that. You're not. He popped up somewhere along the way, right? Yes. Okay. And then did he just leave for another job? Did he just leave TCU for another job? No, he wanted the UCLA job. They couldn't get down to the buyout, and he That's stayed That's what TCU. happened. That's what happened. I know one program that was not named in the FBI investigation. Who's that? Daytona State? Daytona State. Ole Miss Rebels. <laughs> Which is, I mean, has, has Andy Kennedy ever been more candid about anything? That day when that came out was, was pretty good. Yeah, basically said, it's not because we didn't want to be part of this. We couldn't be part of this. Just nobody... Yeah, didn't didn't work out for us. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Plenty more coming up on this Tuesday afternoon. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Show's brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Right now, we're going to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Ross Dellinger ties to Mississippi, worked in Mississippi, from South Louisiana, now calling our nation's capital home. Newest resident of Washington, D.C. How's life in the district, my friend? Hey, Richard. Yeah, it's been good, man. Uh, life in the big city. So uh, it's yeah, it's been fun. Uh, lots of uh, lots of walking. Uh, the car. Um, 50 Wait, no degrees, car. Forty five degrees in May. So getting used to that. And yeah, no car, man. We 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 have um, we have enough friends up here that uh, kind of told us to uh, just sell our car, you know, because the the city's walkable and uh, the public transportation is so efficient. And they were right. It's it's everything. And we live right in the middle of the city, so everything is it's pretty walkable for us. So it's like being on a different planet uh, than the South, man. It's it's uh it's crazy, but it's it's great. We're enjoying it. So what about when you want to go somewhere? Well, you either walk, you know, walk, which we've done a lot of because we're so close to. You know, we're within probably a half a mile of four grocery stores, two or three like pharmacies, and probably a hundred bars and restaurants. Um, and if you expand it out to a mile, we're probably. I mean, it, it just gets bigger and bigger, you know. And so we've walked. I mean, we've walked a mile and a half to places because this state's so walkable. Um, but yeah. you can also hop on the metro, you know, and just. Uh, we're about three blocks from metro station. So you hop on the metro, and it's two or three dollars a ride, and take it wherever you want all over the city. I guess that's cheaper than a car payment. And then if you decide you really want to go somewhere outside the city, you what? You just rent a car. Yeah, you just rent a car. Yeah, you go. You want to go outside the city? You rent a car. Um, there's also the train. You can take like an Amtrak train. Uh, you take a train to New York, for instance. A train in Baltimore. Uh, so yeah, you just basically rent a car. And yeah, it's definitely cheaper than a car payment, but. We had paid off our car. For us, it was it was the renting a parking spot in the city, which can run upwards of three hundred dollars a month. 
Oh, wow. That's uh, that's not a lot of fun. Hey, I want you to tell a story because I saw you put it on either Twitter or Instagram, and then I heard you mention it the other night. This uh, there there is a a a chicken and bourbon place that you found. Chicken and <laughs> yeah, whiskey. Yeah. So this this is one of the things about uh, you know living in a big city like this. You just walk around and you kind of run into just a cool little you know bar restaurant on every corner. Um, and this is one of the times my wife and I were just kind of walking around, and we see this sign outside of a, a restaurant that's chicken and whiskey. Sounds good to me, you know. So we went in, and in the uh, it's just it's a, it was a restaurant. Um, it served mainly rotisserie chicken, uh, but it had other sides and things like that. And but there was no whiskey; it was just basically beer. You could buy some beer, and we're halfway through dinner, and I kind of look toward the back of the restaurant, and there's a big metal door. It looks like a big exit door. It has an exit sign above it. I was like, maybe that's like an outdoor area, you know, a patio or rooftop or something like that. So I push it open, and it is this dimly lit, you know, little dark uh, whiskey bar. And it has 99 different whiskeys uh, in, on, on, a, it's on a big wall. So you get your rotisserie chicken in the front. And that's the chicken. And in the back is the speakeasy whiskey bar where you get your whiskey. Um, it's uh, it's kind of a typical, uh, apparently it's a typical thing back here, uh, these little hidden speakeasy bars. And this one was just uh, chucked in the back of a chicken place. Was that the moment that you realized you were going to live in Washington, D.C. for the rest of your life? <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly the moment that I realized uh, I love this place. We're going to be able to make this work. So uh, this new story that you've got out about Ole Miss football, uh, take me inside. Matt Luke is the head coach, only Power 5 program in America that has two former Power 5 head coaches as coordinators. How's this going to work? Yeah, that's what everybody wants to know. And, and when uh, Rich Rod was hired in January, um, yeah, I think McIntyre was hired a couple weeks before him. So when Richard was hired, I realized, well, wait a second, that's this is an interesting staff, you know, two two former uh, Power Five head coaches as your as your coordinators, uh, and so I thought I, I got to get up there and, and do something. And so yeah, back in uh, I guess it was about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, right before I left uh, Baton Rouge, I drove up to uh, Oxford, and it's been a couple days. Thanks for the call. It was good to see you uh, while you were in town. Yeah. <laughs> Hey man, it was all work. There was no, there was, there was hardly any play. It was all work. So mm-hmm. I spent, I spent time with uh, Rich and Mac McIntyre, and um, I spent time with uh, Matt Luke a little bit, and uh, sat in on a few meetings and to see a little bit how two, you know, fired major college head coaches are operating as coordinators. And uh, it was interesting. You know, it was funny to hear Rich try to say things like, you know, he 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 had been an assistant coach in twenty years, and. Uh, it was funny to hear him uh, say things like, you know, I caught myself at practice, you know, barking at a defensive lineman, and I realized I am not the head coach. You know, I can't do that anymore. Um, so it was interesting, and there's a lot of things like that that kind of kind of rose up while I was there. Where it's it's tough to um, it's tough to uh, you know drop that uh, kind of forget that leadership role. You know, when you're the captain of the ship, it's it's tough to uh, go back down to being a lieutenant. You don't see it happen, really. You don't see it happen too often. You certainly don't see two former, you know, major college captains, if you will, on 
dropping back down to be lieutenants on the same staff. That is that is pretty rare in, in college football. So it was a uh, yeah, it was interesting up there. And you know, I don't know if it'll work a lot or not, but uh, people up there obviously. Um, as you might think they would, they they say it's going to work, and they're excited, and they're already seeing it working. You have to have a boss, and clearly Matt Luke is the boss, but at the same time, to make those two hires, you, you can't have just a whole heck of a lot of ego when you do that, can you? No, not at all. And that's, thing, that, that's one of the things that I think Mac, Matt Luke is – known for and, and becoming more known for um, is, is being a guy who's pretty easy to work with and work around. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have that kind of like dictator-ish kind of way about him, swagger about him like like a lot of coaches do, um, a lot of head coaches do. And uh, I think because of that, it makes it a lot easier for him to hire uh, these Head coaches, and one of them specifically, Rich Rod, being a guy who's very outspoken and, and uh, very uh, demonstrative of a personality, a big personality, it's easier for, for him to hire guys like that because Matt doesn't necessarily have that personality. I think it just makes it easier, you know. And and the thing about Matt, one of the first questions I ask them, ask him, is what you just asked me, and that's how. How can you do this? A lot of head coaches wouldn't. The first thing he says is, well, you can't, you can't have ego. You know, you can't let ego get in the way. You can't let ego get involved in, in, involved in, in coaching hires and hiring the best people to try to win. You know, and that's what he went out and did. Yeah, and, and interesting. In addition to McIntyre and Rodriguez, you've also got Jack McNell, who wasn't a coach at a Power Five level, but spent what six years as a head coach at uh, at Louisiana Tech, and also some time. In the NFL, I, I, I'm curious, Ross, from your time with these two guys, when you've been a head coach as long as Rich Rodriguez has been, does this feel like a brief stopover for him, just on his way back to a head coaching job, or is it something that feels like, you know, maybe for for a couple of three or four years he could be the offensive coordinator? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, Ole Miss and in. Some administrators there, and, and I'm sure Matt Luke and uh, other people around the university would like to hear me say that he'll be offensive coordinator for four years at Ole Miss and be leading a successful unit and, and help uh, the Rebels, you know, crawl out of this hole that they're kind of in uh, from all the NCAA stuff. But I, I can't help but think that this is a stopover. Um, he is such a big name. He's had so much success, um, and a lot of people forget uh, he's had success at Arizona. I mean, it's not like right. this guy just had only success at West Virginia. You know, um, he's been an incredibly successful coordinator at Clemson, Tulane, go way back. Um, obviously, he was incredible, incredibly successful at West Virginia, and he won the Pac-12 South uh, at Arizona. Had several good seasons, including one that I think he won ten, 10 games. So. This is a coach who is going to be back on the market. Um, and the thing is, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you want him there a long time at, at, in, in one way. But in another way, uh, Richard, if he's there too long, it's probably not a good thing. You mean your yeah. offense is probably not progressing like you'd like to see it. But So as soon as he has a really successful season uh, or even mildly successful offensively and his scheme can prove to work, in the SEC, and that's a big question here, uh, you're going to probably see him be a head coach again.
fascinating dynamic, and it's a really interesting story. You can read it at SI.com. Just check out Ross's uh, Twitter page, at Ross Dellinger, and you can click on the link from right there. Enjoy D.C., Ross. Thanks so much for your time today. All right, man. Thanks, Richard. Talk to you soon. It's Ross Dellinger on the Farm Bureau phone line. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Conversation with Ross Dellinger. If you missed it, you can always go back and listen on the podcast. Also available on demand at supertalk.fm after we finish the show up this afternoon. Ceasefire text line is open 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. We've told you about repair centers at Ceasefire uh, for a long time. That's something that is growing. And now, not only can you get your phone fixed, uh, but at eight different Ceasefire locations, including Oxford, Starkville, Hattiesburg, Gulfport, Clinton, Madison, Iberville, and Laurel, you can get your Mac fixed as well. So if you've got a Mac computer uh, and you need a repair done, take it to the repair center at Ceasefire and get the work done for you. They love making happier experiences for you. That's why they've got one-hour phone repair Fixing any phone from any carrier with certified parts and technicians, visit cspire.com slash repair to find a repair center near you. Cspire customer inspired. So I didn't really have time to get into it yesterday. I wanted to give it its due and, and let this be a fair conversation. The Ole Miss baseball conversation. And it's one that is being had pretty much everywhere you turn among Ole Miss fans with regard to what's going on with the baseball program and is it time to make a change? And I can't believe that they've lost 14 of the last 16 to Mississippi State, and it's only uh, one trip to Omaha in 18 years. But then the other side of that is Ole Miss baseball under Mike Bianco has never had a season where it's bottomed out. And outside of LSU... Basically, everybody else in the conference has. Mississippi State has had down years. Florida is going through a down year right now. South Carolina is in a down cycle. And those are programs that are regulars in Omaha. Florida just went to seven of the last nine College World Series. Got to Omaha seven of the last nine times. Probably not going to make a regional this year. In 15 of 18 years, it's either 15 of 18 or 16 of 18, Mike Bianco's gotten Ole Miss to a regional. And in the years when they didn't make it, they had, what, minimum 12 wins in the SEC. So there are two sides to the conversation. And, Rippy, it's, it's altogether possible that this is a conversation that is it's really not fair to have yet. Would you agree with that, or or is this a fair time to have the conversation? Because lots of people are talking about it. I don't know about fair versus unfair, but like it feels a little premature. But I understand why it's happening because there's frustration with how this team has played and like their lack of consistency throughout the year. A lot of highs is in like going to Baton Rouge and winning a lot of lows, like you saw last weekend. I mean, you think about like this team went in a matter of four days from hosting look like realistic trending towards probably to now very much on the outside looking in 
And so I, I see how that like breeds frustration, and, and the opponent this past weekend obviously played a great deal into that. State's won 14-16. I get all that, but I do think it's premature in the sense that like what last year's collapse on that Monday did was create this very strange dynamic to where they're... Regular season, like I hesitate to say, it didn't matter. But any sort of success they had in this in the regular season would be secondary in some senses because, like the the idea would be like, well, what are you going to do in June? And that's seemingly what all that matters. Obviously, their failure in the regular season matters in the sense that you know it's a big deal if they go play baseball outside of Oxford in June in someone else's regional because hosting a regional with this group was pretty much a baseline expectation. And so while I understand the frustration. I understand the talk, but like, what happens if, even if they, I mean, uh, playing their way back into hosting to me seems a little bit unrealistic. So I'll bypass that. But like, what happens if they win a two seed for the first time as a two seed the first time in, in the Bianco Regional and they get to a super regional? Like, what kind of dynamic does that create? What is like the temperature of the fan base? I think there's just a lot of stuff that still has to play out. Like, it's like people are already saying this team has already fizzled out, and I don't think they've completely yet. Like, this was definitely damaging. And like dampening to like their season trajectory and everything, but like I'll be fascinated to see how this plays out. If Ole Miss goes out and has a four no week and gets the five seed in the SEC tournament, obviously you're playing on that first day and you need to win that first game on a Tuesday. Well, your RPI would be around seventeen or eighteen then, and with the way the things played out, you're probably hosting. If they have a three and one week that includes a win tonight against Arkansas State, they win two of three and they win on Tuesday, they're probably one more win, maybe two wins in the SEC tournament away from again being in there. So there, there's certainly still a roadmap to being a host. Sure. But, it, but I don't see the, the, the thing to me about this is I don't think it's about just hosting. It's if you host, you have to win the regional. And if you go on the road in a regional, you really got to win that also. Because people are looking at this and they're going, it's a really talented roster. Yes, there are deficiencies on the pitching staff. But, I mean, you've heard analysts come on this show all season long say that's one of the scariest lineups in all of college baseball. They just haven't been consistent. There's one window of consistency in the entire schedule this year for Ole Miss. And that window of consistency includes a loss to North Alabama. The Saturday-Sunday wins against Arkansas, 4-3 to and 10-5, to played really well in both of those games. And then they lose on a Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. to North Alabama, but then turn around and sweep Florida and beat Southern Miss and win game one against Kentucky. And after that, they lose a pair of seven-inning games and a doubleheader well, they did sweep A&M and then take two or three in Baton Rouge. They did, but do you want to argue that they played well in taking two or three from LSU, or they just won the series? Or does it matter? I, I'm talk, When I say a window of consistency, I'm talking about a two-week span where they really played well, where they looked like the team that most people thought they were going to be. I would qualify those last two as that. The Sunday game got weird, but like... They just kind of lost a baseball game on that Friday, played well on Saturday, and then, I mean, Sunday, if you get a win, you probably played decently well. They gave up six runs with two out and nobody on in the bottom of the ninth inning. They won it. They get all the credit for winning it. 
Yeah, but that's more of an anomaly than anything else. It's an anomaly when it happens once. When you do it two weekends in a row, it's less of an anomaly. Oh, specifically to Parker Caracy, sure. If if you, I, I I heard multiple people say, you can go the rest of your life and not see what happened in Baton Rouge on Sunday happen again. Two outs, bases empty, six runs scored. You had to wait all of seven days to see it happen again. Two outs, nobody on, nine runs scored. Yeah, sure, but that's an entirely different scenario because there's no like, like if that situation where Gunnar Hoagland's in there and they get yanked, like, and you need one more out to end the baseball game, you pitch it entirely differently. That was their best pitcher giving up back to back to back home runs to blow a six run lead. That was their number one gun. That's fair. Yes. Sounded like somebody wanted to jump in. All I'm going to say to y'all is this. I, I, and I made this comment on the Thunder and Lightning podcast. This, to me, feels like Rick Stansberry again. And Bianco's had more success than Stansberry. But you've got a coach who won at a really high level at a school where they didn't they haven't done that historically, and he fell victim to his own expectation level, and then some things, you know, got away from him. Now, granted, there's no I haven't seen Thomas Dillard jumping in the stands to beat anybody up yet. But that's what this feels like to me. So if I were to nor, give a word of warning. will you, for the record. I, I don't think you will, but you, you never know. Uh, but So if I were to give a word of warning here, if, if, you're, if you're leaning on Ross Bjork to make this higher, you better have the next guy ready to go, be it McDonald, Godwin, or whoever you're going to go after, because I don't know who the second assistant at Clemson is right now, who the Rick Ray of college baseball is, but Bianco's a respected coach. And that people are going to look at that like he did that much for that program and they canned him. You better have a guy ready to go, or are you you're going to you're going to end up in a situation where you, you think it can't get worse. I can assure you that it can and will get worse. Uh, I would say can. I wouldn't say will. I mean, if you, you make the wrong hire, it, it will. If you make the wrong hire, it will well, get worse. Yeah, yes, if if you make the wrong hire, yes. I don't think. Now, this is not speaking for fans. I think this is speaking from an administrative standpoint. There's nobody, whether you're talking about Ross Bjork as the AD or the people that work in the department or Larry Sparks, who's the interim chancellor, nobody wants to make this decision. Everybody, I mean everybody within the department, wants the next three weeks to go well. And for there to be a little bit of a... Turning a little bit of a, a tide turn or a, a change in the momentum in a different direction. Nobody wants to have to go down this road and make this decision. You mentioned Stansberry. There, there might be a couple of other parallels worth looking at as well. It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Some of your reaction on the ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. Ole didn't make the postseason in 2017. That's considered a down year in the SEC. You're right, they didn't. But that was a year where... No, I'm not going to do the The phrase you used, Richard, was bottoming out. And they didn't bottom out that year. No, not at all. And let's just be clear, I'm not yeah-butting you at all when you say that. 
But it's fair if you say, well, Ole Miss didn't make the postseason in 2017 and that's a down year. That is a true statement. They also followed it up by getting the number four national seed. And the 2017 team had a bunch of freshmen that were playing. Another text. Regional is not the goal. Only goal is Omaha. Not getting there is failure. That's wrong. Your goal as a college baseball like coach, fan, whatever, should be to get to Supers. Because Super Regional, you play a 56-game season for an utter crapshoot, essentially. It's a two out of three. So if you get to enough Supers, obviously Ole Miss is not really the most shining example here, but you're going to make a trip or two to Omaha. So I Because making it to the Elite Eight is hard. Making the Sweet 16, not as hard. So I would disagree with that. This is the goal is to probably get to Supers. I agree with you on that front, and you know we've talked about what what's a reasonable expectation, Billy. I would agree with you that one trip to Omaha in eighteen years is not good enough for a place that has um, devoted the the type of resources and has the fan support that Ole Miss has. That 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 one in eighteen is not good enough, and one super regional in ten years is. A bigger issue to me than one trip to the College World Series in 18 years. But I do agree with Borky that actually getting to Omaha, there's a lot of luck involved with it. I mean, hey, Dad, maybe a good example. The Mississippi State team that was really, really good a couple of years ago ran into an Arizona buzzsaw. That was unlucky in the Super Regional because that was a Mississippi State team that was good enough to get to Omaha and make noise when they got there. And and flip it around to last season, that team was pretty lucky for for Mississippi State for the whole. Yeah, what happens if Elijah McNamee doesn't connect with a with a fastball? What happens if Mike Martin just says we're going to change pitchers? Chances are Mississippi State season goes two and Q in Tallahassee. So, yeah, I mean there there is there is some luck and. I, th- I think you mentioned it there. The, the, it's the it's the lack of supers over the past few years that, like, and I agree with what Rippy is saying that that are that are hurting Ole Miss, especially when you look at again. You know, the two programs are always going to compare themselves to each other. State's been to four straight super regionals with four different coaches. That that is something that if, if I'm if I'm on the fire for, Bianco for, train, for, uh, you already given them a regional win this year. As they've been to four straight super regionals, sixteen, seventeen. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, no, you're right. This would three, be the fourth. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're in the three straight different super regionals with three different coaches. But that's still such a that's still a really valid point. And I know you're supposed to look beyond your in-state rival, but in baseball especially, what Mississippi State is doing is a great example for why Ole Miss fans are incredibly frustrated because and that one. Go, go ahead. Sorry, no, I wasn't trying to cut you off. To go ahead. Because that one super regional in ten years, the counter argument has been Mike Bianco has really good regular season teams. Uh, they, he has hosted regionals. He's been to supers, and they do that with the scholarship limitation that isn't talked about enough. While that is real, Mississippi State, with four coaches in four years, is continually just dominating you on the field, making an Omaha trip with an interim coach, and will probably go to four straight super regionals. They're going to be a national seed again with almost identical scholarship issues as you, which has been used as the the crutch for you should ta- uh, 
lessen your expectations because there's this thing out there that you can't quantify and fan support and money doesn't change the scholarship fact. And that's that's the counter argument. That's what it's always been to why you should be satisfied with the current state of your baseball program. But what is it? 90 miles southeast of you, they have the same limitations and they're sending interim coaches to Omaha. Yeah, and, and all I was going to say a second ago was – I get weary of the let's compare Ole Miss and Mississippi State. But in baseball, it's an applicable comparison. It was not 15 years ago. Right. It, like, like, not even remotely fair to compare the two programs 15 years ago. But it is now because of the commitment and the investment that has been made into Ole Miss baseball. At first, it was catching Mississippi State just in interest and comparable facilities. And then it was passing Mississippi State for a while in the facility race. And now it is, look, I'm not talking about debating facilities. Mississippi State's got the best baseball facility in the country now. But Ole Miss has a top five. It's going to make a strong case for second even, you know. But yeah, I mean, it's a Ole Miss has got a top five facility, so they're comparable. You if you want to say Mississippi State's is different than everybody's, yeah, exactly. You took me there on Friday, and like, I mean, the interior stuff, the the uh, the, the the team stuff, the locker room, weight room, all very comparable. It's yeah. it's the it's the exterior, the seating, the lofts, what they do in the lounge that makes that that brings State a tier above. Yeah, and and frankly, like from a player amenity standpoint, and the stuff you don't see. Ole Miss is actually probably a step beyond where Mississippi State is right now, but here's why. So hear me out. Don't get mad when you hear that. There's a reason a that visiting, that's the case. Visiting locker room is most of it. Well, no, I'm talking about even in like the facilities for Ole Miss. The reason is Mississippi State just built a $68 million, whatever, $65, $68, 69000000 million total facility, everything included, including a brand-new park and some apartments beyond the left field wall. Ole Miss spent $30 million that was focused on nothing but a player area. So, I mean, that's that's the difference. But again, you're splitting hairs with that. The point is, you've reached a point where it is a fair comparison to look at the program side by side beyond just the fact that they play in the same conference and they're 90 miles apart. Ole Miss and Mississippi State are dealing with the same scholarship restrictions that Borky was pointing out, the same challenges that nobody else other than Alabama and Auburn deal with in the SEC. Part of it's on the field, too. You had one coach shifting this weekend and playing the numbers and using modern baseball philosophies and the other bunting when you're down two runs and have six outs left. It's fair. Um, text message. C Spire text line. I agree with Richard. Wait until the season's over, and let's discuss what we've accomplished. If we, this is the texter using that language, lose in regionals, maybe it's time to look around. Keith says, I pull for both teams until they play each other. Uh, CJ in the Delta says, somehow most of Bianco's teams underperform. It's expected to happen sooner or later. You get your hopes up and they get blown down, just how it is with his teams. I, I don't think that's entirely fair, but I think... If you're going with a recency bias approach, you look at last season, and it's incredibly disappointing. That was a college World Series baseball team a year ago. Should've and been. if Ole Miss had if Ole Miss had beaten Tennessee Tech, they were going to host Texas 
Would, and that wasn't Texas with Drew Stubbs and Jay Brent Cox and that whole crew. It's a Texas team that's trying to get back, and a Texas team that's not that's not going to make the postseason this year. I wonder how much what Kermit Davis did in year one is fueling this. Because I've talked to a bunch of Ole Miss people, people that I know over the last few days, and a lot of them brought that up. Because you had at one point the longest-tenured basketball coach and the longest-tenured baseball coach. And Andy Kennedy was good, not great. He dealt with facility challenges, um, a lack of a commitment from a booster standpoint to get the players that you need to get to win at a high level. Was good, but not great. They make a change and immediately they're recruiting better. They make the NCAA tournament, and that program is on the rise. Ole Miss basketball is is a trendy program right now. And now you've got the same situation in baseball. You've got really good, not great. You've got a commitment from fans. You've got a financial commitment, and you're really good, but not great. And you just saw just down the road, whatever road it is between the Pavilion and, and Swayze Field, you saw it happen at the same school just a few months ago. I wonder how much that plays into the angst that you're getting right now. Well, Haydad a second ago used the the Rick Stansberry analogy. And I think that's an altogether fair analogy. But also, the Andy Kennedy analogy is a fair one, that it was time for a new voice. I mean, it's that, absolutely that, that, opposite that you, you found the right guy. You had the right guy. Yes, but then also people have brought up Mark Richt at Georgia. Yeah. Which Mike is, Bianco has lost control. <laughs> well, no player arrests or anything yet. No, nothing yet. Hopefully not. No, no, but Mark Richt, who was recruiting at a high level and was winning 10 games every year. Yeah. But he wasn't playing for a national championship. And it had been a while since he had played for an SEC championship. And so Georgia took an extremely calculated risk. They made an extremely difficult and risky decision. And it appears to be one that's paying off. I go back to where we started on this. I don't think there's anybody within the administration or the decision-making group that wants to have to make this decision, have to decide one way or the other whether it's time to go a different route. But the only way they don't have to make that choice is if Ole Miss plays really well for the next three weeks. Just after 5 o'clock with you on a beautiful Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Maybe you're building a dream home. Maybe you're buying a piece of property that's going to be recreational. Maybe you need a place to ride a dirt bike without having to use public (laughs) land. Mississippi Land Bank can help. I don't know that they can necessarily help you buy the dirt bike, but if you need a tractor or side-by-side or a planter or some other sort of implement to go along with the tractor you've already got, They can help with the financing on that. Mississippi Land Bank, for over 100 years, has been financing land and all that goes with it. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Time right now for the College Football Fix. 
College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. You can start your search for a new car, truck, or SUV at that website, buyfordnow.com. Ford puts pride into everything that it does. That's why they've built the best-selling trucks in America for 42 consecutive years. You can test drive the F-150 at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. You can actually do more than test drive it. You can go buy it. And I promise you, you won't regret making that decision. News came out yesterday that Fox, like Big Fox, Fox the television station, not Fox uh, FS1 or FS2, but Fox that's right there next to ABC and NBC and CBS, is going to take their marquee college football game, their top game each week, and they are going to put it in the noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central time slot. College football, like any other sport in America, loves its primetime matchups. The best games are usually played under the lights, but Fox is trying to do things a little differently. They're taking their best game each week and making it a high noon in the East showdown during Fox's upfronts. That's where they roll out all their plans to potential advertisers for the year. The network announced that it will show its best game each week in that time slot, um, including Ohio State-Michigan, which they did a year ago. And the numbers were just fine. Thank you very much. Borky, can we turn this into a fair or foul? Yeah, let's do it. So fair or foul, Fox is making this move by having their marquee game of the week at noon because of the SEC. Fair or foul? Hmm. Foul. It may play into the decision. But this gives the Big Ten and the Big 12 its own time slot. So, yeah, you got a bunch of games that kick off at 11 o'clock, but generally speaking, you don't have very many good games that kick off at 11. Central. You have the Red River rivalry, which, by the way, is now on Fox. ESPN has actually started putting more good games in that 11 a.m. time slot. But you're not competing with the 2.30 window on CBS, which is the top SEC game of the week. You're not competing with the SEC Saturday night primetime game, whether on the SEC network or on ESPN. You're not competing with Saturday night prime on ABC, which theoretically is the best game of the week. I think it makes sense to put your best game in a spot where it's competing against the number four game out of the Big Ten and the number three or four or five game out of the SEC. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense, but I think you said foul on this, but I think you kind of agree with me. I think it's because of the SEC that even though this is the right decision, it's one they have to make because competing with the SEC at 2.30 and at 6 o'clock is a battle that they will never, ever win. And so they have to make this decision if they want people to watch their games. I thought when you presented this yesterday, you were talking about it. I thought you were talking about the NFL. And so you were like, they're putting their primetime game at noon. That's awesome. And I was like, that sucks. Like, how does does that make any sense? Now this makes a lot more sense. Yeah, college football. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, I'll go fair. I don't really have a strong opinion on this one way or another. I think it's a cool idea. Borky, I I agree with you in part that, that, yes, 
not competing head-to-head with whatever the best game of the week or the top two games of the week are in the SEC is part of it. But if you go back and you look at the Fox primetime games last year, like when they had a great game, Ohio State-Penn State, um, you know, a Michigan-Penn State game that, that they stuck, those numbers were really, really good. And there were weeks where that was the highest-rated game that was on TV. I think you're just giving yourself, if you're Fox, the opportunity to more consistently pull higher ratings for your best game. And we just we just got a text from uh, Jerry and Tupelo who says foul for players and fans at stadium. And while that may be the case, who do the networks care about? The fifty, sixty thousand people at the stadium or the millions sitting at home watching television? And and for me, you know, I agree with what Borky's saying. This is definitely a we have to counter what the SEC uh, does, but it's a great move for fans in my opinion, because if you're not at the stadium and you're just watching college football, it has always been Six to six o'clock kickoff. That's when the bulk of these great games are, and you're having to pick and choose. Now one of them will be in a window where there aren't a lot of good games. I mean, if I got to pick between, you know, I don't know, Oklahoma versus Texas or Mississippi State versus Abilene Christian, obviously not the same days, but something like that. It's a pretty easy pick for the neutral fan, and uh, I think it's I think it's a good move. Ceasefire text line from the six zero one. Pairing it against the SEC Saturday morning undercard is not a bad strategy. Yeah. No, and as you said, Richard, numbers bear it out. The 11 o'clock game continues to perform better. Yeah, I mean, ESPN transitioned on that strategy. I mean, they have gone from that is an absolute throwaway. Yeah, you. So when I was in college and then for years after that, that was the. It was Beth Mowen's game. And obviously Beth is elevated in stature as well, but it was a middle-of-the-road Big Ten game that felt like even when it was played in September, it was cold. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm exaggerating a little Northwestern. bit. Northwestern. Yes. Yes. Run it a lot, punt it a lot. Exactly. And ESPN somewhere along the way decided, you know what, there aren't a bunch of good games. We're going to start putting a good game in that slot. And so ESPN has put better games on Big ESPN at 11 a.m. Central Time. Um, the SEC Network has not. No, no, they have not. I mean, basically, the 11 o'clock game on the SEC Network is still the old JP game. Yeah. Well, it's not even the JP game sometimes. The JP game was always a conference game. It's usually not early you know, in the year. Well, maybe not early in the year, but well, oh, oh, uh, week two yeah, or it's three. a good point, though, hey, Dad. But, but you know why it was always a conference game? Because they had a. They had a you only had four pick. games a week that were on TV. Yeah, that's true, too, yeah. You had the JP now, game, you had the CBS game, and then you had two or three windows on, like, one window on ESPN and one on ESPNU and one on ESPN2. Now. You Prior know, to the SEC. SEC Network's got three SEC three teams from the SEC play on the SEC Network every single week. And side note, it's fun to rip on the Pac-12 at this point because, I mean, it's a, it's a sideshow. They also are in partnership with Fox on their TV deal. So this is basically Fox saying, we never expect the Pac-12 to have our marquee game of the weekend or they're just going to have to suck it up and play it at 9 a.m. if we Yeah, want them to. I, don't, I don't think that's happening. So they're basically coming out and saying that we're going to get all our marquee games from the Big 12 and the Big 10. By moving it here and doing this. Yeah, I mean, if, if Fox gets USC-UCLA, they're obviously not playing it at 9 in the morning at the Rose Bowl. 
I mean, there's still, but but it will be. I mean, it's not the only window that Fox has. No, but that's what I mean. Their marquee game will never come from the Pac-12. They're expecting that with this move, apparently. Well, I mean, yes, in what they're saying, but again, that doesn't mean that's the only time you're going to have a good game on your on your television. Right. I mean. CBS gets the marquee game from the SEC every week, right? They get first choice. But that and ESPN yet, 2 game is pretty good, too. You no, know, I was going to say, you, you see some really good games on ESPN also. I was more just kind of taking a shot at the Pac-12. Yeah, I know you were. I wasn't trying to necessarily tear I've apart I've enjoyed your associating argument. announcers with game slots, though. Have you? Yeah. Like? Uh... Like, back in the day, like, Mike Patrick, Todd Blackledge, very, like, Auburn, Mississippi State at 6.30 at night. Yeah, Yeah, I like that, yeah. Beth Moen's 11 a.m., obviously, like, what? If I hear Dave Neal and the sun is down, I don't know know what's going on. Dave Neal is inside Vanderbilt Stadium with him and, like, a really bad Florida team, (laughs) 6.30 at half. (laughs) And then, if you go back just a little bit farther... Ron Franklin, Mike Gottfried on, es- on ESPN on <laughs> Saturday man. nights. Oh, that's got LSU Auburn written yes. all over it down in Red Stick. Love it. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Hey, Dad, decided to jump and run. I didn't decide to. I guess we knew he was going to. Headed to uh, Duty Noble. I got uh, baseball coming up tonight, Mississippi State and Louisiana Tech. 6.30 first pitch. Certainly, uh, he didn't want to miss the uh, first pitch of the ball game, so he had to roll. <laughs> Safe and sound. My man is not going to be late. Not going to be late. Uh, he's always the first one down here, too, when we have our, our bi-weekly meetings. He's always here like an hour or two before you guys. He's just a prompt dude, apparently. What's your excuse going to be in the future, Rippy? Oh, I won't have one now. So you'll be like two-hour early guy now? No. But. You won't be like squealing tires into the parking lot trying to make it before the music starts to begin the show? Yeah, 3.04. Yeah. Slugging Red Bull, eating the rest of my beef jerky (laughs) before I run in. Jeez. That's just great. The the inside of your body hates you. Uh, I don't know. My doctor would tell me otherwise. Oh, yeah? Uh, Now I am a doctor. I probably don't need one. Your doctor says you're good? Yeah, says I'm in great health. Even though you eat crap constantly? Eh, throw in a salad every now and again. Does that offset the three to five Red Bulls a day you drink? No, but I drink some water, too. <laughs> I used to roll my eyes at the people that, t- that would tell me, you know what, Richard, your metabolism is going to catch up with you one day. Or, or it's going to slow down and the way you eat is going to catch up with you? They were right. I'm not, like, overweight, but carry a little extra in the, the midsection portion of in my stomach area than I used to. Remember that guy that texted in that said that you had a double chin? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What did he tell you to do, look further up? So it didn't show on camera? No, no, I think he told me to, like, lay off the snack cakes or something. 
The sweet cakes. Little Debbies, I think, may have been the phrase. That might have been it. Lay off the Little Debbies. That double chin's getting a little pronounced. He was right. Trying to do a little bit better. Uh, although today was not my best lunch day. I mean, so so I went. Uh, we we went to Tupelo today with uh, the third grade at at Della Davidson, Dave Montgomery's class. I say we, I did, and um, they went to uh, HealthWorks, which is like a kind of a cool interactive science type place. Uh, they had a big time, and doggone if we didn't drive right by Danvers on the way out of Tupelo. It was all. It was as if there was like a magnetic force that was immediately pulling my truck to the drive-through. What'd you get? Chicken tenders, French fries, a little milkshake. How's that bad? That sounds awesome. Well, it, it tasted great. It's just not exactly healthy. Lived here nine years, never had it. Lived where? In Mississippi. Well, there used to be a Danvers in Oxford, and it was fantastic. And uh, okay, can I tell a story? Go for it. I have uh, I probably spent more time talking about my wife on the air today. That's okay. This is she she has gotten great mileage out of telling this story. So when Jane and I were in college, um I she had never been to an Ole Miss basketball game. And I talked her into or asked her or took her whatever to uh it was an Ole Miss Arkansas game that was on a Wednesday night. And it was low-key. It wasn't really a date, or at least I didn't really think it was a date. Uh, she had a different – she and her friends apparently thought differently of that. So we went to Danvers just to grab something quick to eat. I mean, it not not like, oh, I took her to a bad place. It was just grab something quick on the way to the basketball game. And we're sitting there, and a buddy of mine walks by. And he goes, yeah, we're chit-chatting, and I introduce him to Jane, or maybe he had already met her, I, I don't know. And he goes, oh, by the way, how's so-and-so? Ooh. And Jane goes, well, who's so-and-so? I guess I could use Sally. That's been kind of my generic name. How, how's, how's Sal? Who's Sally? Oh, it's the girl I've been dating for a while. She's like, oh, uh, okay. And apparently, as she tells it, at some point, excused herself to go to the restroom and like called her friends while she was in the restroom. Like, he has a girlfriend. What am I supposed to do? See, I didn't really have a girlfriend at the time. It just like maybe wasn't completely officially, finally for good over. <laughs> but maybe I wasn't quite as forthright about that information as I should have been. I would like to hear her side of this story. And my ba- my boy Brad threw me under the bus. I'm talking about big time. A bonehead move by that guy. Yeah, he's. You weren't friends with him after that, were you? Because that's. Oh like, yeah, that's no, crossing yeah, the friend line, man. I know, you man, don't do that stuff. I mean, I'm. You just cup check him the next time you see yeah, him. Yeah, Godfather to his oldest son. They've been through a lot together. Tell him his dad's a three-letter word. I can't say on the radio. It was a complete accident on well, his part, well, and I think he friends. immediately realized. Whoops. <laughs> So anyway, we had a great time that night. And uh minus that little hiccup. Well, yeah, I mean minus that little hiccup. Apparently it was awkward for her the rest of the night. I didn't seem to think so and Well, cuz she anyway. felt like a homewrecker. Surprised she didn't leave right then. Yeah. 
Give the, you the old cup check on the way out the door. <laughs> there, there are probably some times where she thought that maybe she should have just walked on out at that point and not looked back. But yeah, we, don't uh, ask her if she's ever had that thought. We we eventually got got past that. We've had a number of laughs. The way she tells the story and the way I tell the story has continued to not be exactly the same. Sally didn't catch a wedding invite, I take it? Uh, no. No. That did not happen. Hey, a random... Uh, that all came from me mentioning Danvers. Danvers doesn't exist in Oxford anymore, but it did at the time, and they had a great salad bar. What was the correlation between the two? What? I went to Danvers today. There's one in Tupelo. Okay. And that story? Was it this happened out of Danvers? Yes, that's what I said. I She and I just had stopped to grab a quick bite on the way to the basketball game at Danvers. It wasn't like the most romantic of locales anyway, but I didn't think it was a date. Or maybe yeah, I did. Yeah, take, taking a girl somewhere is definitely not a date at all. Mm. You can't take girls places without them thinking it's a date. Ah, <sighs> Yeah. No matter where it is, no matter what you're doing, no matter what your status is. <laughs> oh, this is great. Ceasefire text line. Every time Richard has a bad life experience, it seems like an Arkansas sports team is involved. <laughs> well played. Well played uh, indeed. Hey, what does this mean to you, Borky? There are eight football teams in all of the FBS. Eight and only eight that have won at least nine regular season games in each of the last three years. Rippy, who do you think they are? At least nine games? At least nine games in three straight years, the last three years. Alabama. Yep. Clemson. Yep. Um, ooh. The top three are easy. Think of the third best program in college football. Oklahoma. Yes. Ohio State. Yes. Um, it's a little more difficult after that. Boise State? Yes. you gotten five of eight without a miss yet. Uh, Georgia's not on there, are they? Georgia is not on there. Okay. Um, Three years ago, they were bad. Oh, God, I can't do this. Um, Penn State? Okay, I would have believed that. Troy? No, I probably wouldn't have gotten that one. And the Washington Huskies? Would have made sense eventually does this kind of underscore the fact that it's hard to win nine games on a regular basis yeah the when i saw that the first thing that popped in my head was fan expectations are completely unreasonable (laughs) a grand total of eight teams in all of college football have won nine or more in the regular season in each of the last three years Alabama, Boise State, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Penn State, Troy, and Washington. And in the category of one of these things is not like the other, how is it that Neil Brown was passed over for so long? It's a great mystery. Neil Brown, now the head coach at West Virginia, felt like a really good hire. It's hard to win consistently and win big in college football. Who's not on that list? LSU's not on that list. Auburn's not on the list. Oklahoma State's not. Michigan's not. Notre Dame. Southern Cal. Notre Dame. 
Oregon, I guess. Florida State, Miami, Oregon, Georgia. Florida. South Carolina's not there. Arkansas's not there. Ole Miss and State are not there. Only eight teams in the entire college football landscape have won nine in the regular season in each of the last three years. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.